Welcome to the first ever episode of the Water Carrier Podcast for 2020. On this podcast, for future reference, I will be having week-by-week AFL talk. I will be discussing and reviewing games, certain players, clubs and AFL lists. Along with this, I will analyse the upcoming draft and previous drafts, looking at the picks who have unexpectedly blossomed into good players, flopped or become or became the footballers they were predicted to be. Finally, I will look into what it takes to win a premiership and make finals, going over this criteria and what each club needs to do to get to that position. I'll also be looking into the trade period and free agency and into what each club needs. As well as this, I'll look over past trade and free agency periods and see what went wrong and what went right for certain clubs. I'll also be giving um, predictions, so obviously with the Brownlow coming up, I'll have a podcast coming out on Brownlow predictions, but for next year, I'll do my Rising Star prediction, Brownlow predictions at the start of the year, you know, premiership predictions, goal of the year, even, you know, get a bit spontaneous with those things, but yeah, I think every second week on the podcast, I'll be joined by mates, hopefully. So get them on the podcast just to give different take, a different opinion to myself. And then hopefully I can start getting some sort of older people who know about AFL, obviously, to just get their opinions. You know, some different people who I don't really know that well. And then hopefully I can build the podcast up to the point where I am able to interview, you know, people within the AFL landscape and get their views and opinions on certain matters going on at the time. So this is the first episode of the podcast and is the first podcast I've ever had. So yeah, please, in the comment section, if you do listen the whole way, tell me, it's probably hard to listen to the whole way, just tell me what, you know, what you liked about it and all that. Um, Yeah, all feedback is, all feedback is good feedback um, and criticism. So there's definitely a few things I'll have to work on, but yeah, um... So, for today's podcast, for the first episode, I'm just going to be reviewing the first week of finals and then giving a preview and my predictions for the second week. And yeah, so, welcome to the podcast. And obviously, I don't think I've mentioned it before, but my name's Billy Brannigan and I'll be the host of this podcast for the foreseeable future. So, instead of going chronological order, I think we'll just go over, firstly... The Bulldogs and St Kilda game. So, I think this game was won and lost. Was won and lost at the contest in the aerial, in an aerial perspective. St Kilda they have tw- they have twenty one contested marks to just the Bulldogs nine for the to, to the Bulldogs twelve sorry. So St Kilda just to repeat that, St Kilda dominated the aerial contest with twenty one contested marks to Bulldogs twelve. You know, St Kilda only averaged nine for the season, so it was a good step up to see Ryder, King and Memory all getting them contested marks, especially in that forward line where they each converted with two goals each. I think uh, Ryder has to be my bog. Two goals, 26 hit-outs. He played a crucial role in his first ever finals win to get the job done for the team. And, yeah. um, I think the double team of Ryder and Rowan Marshall... On the youngster, Tim English was very effective. Um, 
as a solo ruckman, it's probably hard to come up against a double team, and he's probably just not mature enough to know how to deal with this. And, yeah. Um, and I think the Rowan Marshall and the Rowan Marshall and Ryder situation, it also works well because it allows Ryder to go forward where he can sneak goals, as you saw on the weekend with his two. Um, the thing to watch for the Saints was just blowing, almost blowing that four-goal lead they had at three-quarter time because it ended up only being a goal in the end. You know, they blew that four-goal lead. They started chipping it around in the defence, playing like Geelong would. You know, they need to keep attacking. The game's not over till it's over. Um, they only had the one goal in the last quarter from Dan Butler and didn't score the whole rest of that quarter. Um, I think Josh Bruce is a big is a big talking point um, for this game. So he's meant to be the Bulldogs' marquee matchup. Just the one goal, and he probably gave away that free kick. Just that crucial free kick. I wouldn't say it costed them the game, because we never know what would have happened in those 40 seconds when it was when it was in the Bulldogs' forward line. But he should be filling... I don't know if he's necessarily filling the bo- void left... The void left by Tom Boyd as of such yet. I think Bulldogs fans would argue it's not his best season. Uh, you know, he's just had the 17 goals... Um, 14 goals, sorry, pardon me, 14 goals from the 17 games. So he's going under one goal a game, which is a poor average. I think some would say that, you know, maybe it's just him taking a step back, having to deal with Aaron Norton in the side to allow his development. But, you know, Bruce has played in teams where he's not the number one goal kicker, but he still gets, you know, his 30-odd, or he's not the number one option. So you look in 2016 and 2017, he has 36 and 38 respectively, in those seasons. And he wasn't the main goal kicker for the Saints. It was Tim Membry with 44 and 38. So, I don't think you can blame it on opportunity he's getting because he was converting at St Kilda. And even last year at the Bulldogs, he was still converting. He got his 36 when Sam Lloyd... Yeah, as I was saying, the the uh, audio just cut out there. So, Josh Bruce still got his 36 last year, even though Sam Lloyd was the main goal wasn't the main goal kicker, he just kicked the most, having the 38. You know, Josh Bruce, coming as the marquee, marquee full forward, you know, 64 games between 2015 and 2017, was very healthy, and he kicked 124 goals in that time. Um, I think the 2018 injury might be having a second-year effect, just he had the back stretch injuries, and then he broke his leg also in that year. Um... I also think you have to look at uh, Carlisle, massive performance, nine marks in the back line, definitely kept Aaron Norton out of that game. Also, um, Jaron Geary, big up to him. He played a good defensive role on Caleb Daniel. I mean, Daniel still gets his 26 policies in the end, but he just shut down that rebounding, which was needed for them to win that game. And then I think if you also look at the Bulldogs' second second marquee signing, well, another marquee signing they made this offseason was adding Alex Keith to the team. I think they, I think Alex Keith is more of an interceptor. He's not, you know, your traditional one-on-one fullback like a Daniel Talia at the Crows or, you know, a Matthew Scarlett. I mean, obviously one plays a lot better than the other, but, you know, they sort of play that same that same role. I just think to allow Keith to really develop, he needs to have 
the Bulldogs need to sign a one-on-one fullback to allow Keith to be that intercept marker for the team. Uh, looking at the other game, another game for the so the second qualifying final, we had Lions versus Richmond Tigers. I think it was two goals in the end. The Lions won by. I think this game is, was just purely decided by those two 50 meter penalties that the Tigers dumbly gave away. One was a hundred from Marlon Pickett, and then the Lions go and convert two goals off both of these. So I think that just shows you where they won and lost the match. And then we also have to talk about Dylan Grimes. You know, he normally comes off his opponents so well, plays it so smart. Um, you know, gets that intercept, spoil or mark. However, it didn't happen on Saturday night, Friday night. I mean, um, he didn't end up making the impact twice. The ball spills over the back, gets to Charlie Cameron. Probably the most dangerous small forward in the game at the moment, and he gets two cheapies out of the three goals he ended up scoring. So I think that's all I really have to say for for the Richmond game. As long as just Richmond just made some dumb mistakes, you know they left Rich open um, the start of that first quarter. You know I think he was like 55 out. They leave him open. They know they should know that Rich has got a massive boot and he can kick that far. And I think they do know that. I just don't know why anyone wasn't on him. But anyway, Tigers lost. It was such a shock. I could not believe it. I had I hadn't tipped. I have I still have them tipped to win the grand final. I still see them winning, going all the way. But this would probably just be a bump in the road for them. So now we have Richmond versus St Kilda as our first semi final Friday night. So earlier this team, these teams both met each other round four, and Saints ended up winning by four goals. So Saints ninety three to Tigers sixty seven in that match. You saw Memory, three goals, and Butler, three goals in that game. I think, just before I move on, um, there's lots of talk about how, obviously Ryder, I believe he was Bog, and many other people do, in the Bulldogs game. So, you know, they think he's go- it's going to have a massive impact, him not being in the side. However, last time these two teams played, Ryder, Ryder didn't play, and it was just a Rowan Marshall versus Nate the Tank battle. 25 hitouts to Tank for the... For two Nank the Tanks, 26. So it was an even contest. So I think they just lose the option to have a sec- a third big in the forward line. So I think they'll definitely miss those two goals that Ryder ended up converting. But yeah, anyway. Memory, three goals, and Butler, three goals when they faced in round four. Compared to Dusty, um, Lynch, and Rewalt combining for just three goals. Dusty, zero, Lynch, one, and... Rewalt too. So Dusty, to be fair, Dusty was coming back off a rib injury. So Dusty was coming up back off a rib injury, so you can't blame him for having the zero goals. I think he'll perform. He'll have a much bigger performance on Friday night. I think the biggest out for St Kilda is actually Jake Carlisle, which I'm surprised to say. To say, So when they played in round four, he ended up having nine marks and kept Jack Rewalt to just the one goal. So... He definitely played a big role in that game. And they really need that player to do that. Or they're just going to have to... I don't know how they're going to keep um, Rewalt and Lynch to three goals to get combined. It's going to be tough to do. So that's the first semi-final and two of the games from last week. 
But talking about that semi-final, you do have some big ins for Richmond. Tom Lynch coming in. You know, he's a proven big goal scorer. I think he'll get the job done, score a few. Um, my prediction is Richmond easily win this. I can't see. Although I thought they played really well for three quarters last week, I can't see them getting the job done against the Tigers. Um, with Jake Carlisle, Paddy Ryder and Ben Long out. Um, in comes John Marsh, Shane Savage and Josh Battle. I thought Shane Savage was the weirdest one out of those bunch of three blokes. He's only played the one game for the Saints this season. So you'd hope he's match fit and ready to go. And then, yeah. Alright, so on to the first. I think we'll go to the first game of the weekend. Thursday night game. We had the Cats v Port. So I thought this was a massive opportunity for the Cats. A must win. Um, and this was mainly due to the fact that I had seen Richmond... I thought Richmond, Richmond would easily beat Lions, so we wouldn't have to face Richmond in a prelim. However, now, losing, it turns out, with Richmond losing as well, we don't have to face them in a prelim. So I think we have, you know, got lucky. You talk about Cats having nine lives. Maybe we've got an extra life here. Don't have to face Richmond until a grand final, if we did make it that far, and if they made it that far. But, yeah, I think the Cats just missed too many opportunities. I mean, you can't you can't expect to win a finals match when you go one from eight from set shots. Um, Hawkins, five points, one out on the full. It's just not, probably not good enough. You know, need a better performance out of him. You know, we're never going to win a game like that. But you do think about the amount of scoring opportunities we had. The end result was, I think it was about... 15 points to Port, 5-12 to Port's 9-4. So, 42 to 60. About that. I'm not too good at math, so I don't know. So, 17 to 13 scoring opportunities, that is. And technically 19 due to that Ablett-Parford error, and then that Hawkins out on the full. So, that Ablett-Parford error I'm referring to is just that one before quarter time. And I think that was most disappointing because if that was if that was Port in that situation, they would have converted because all night they converted those 50-50s. And they just, you know, they kicked goals when it mattered. I mean, you talk about Motlopper player the Cats have delisted a few years ago. Sorry, I apologise. They didn't delist. They got rid of him. I think, I believe it was a trade to Port. So Motlopper kicks three on the night and two like two of them come from nothing. You know, he has that soccer off the ground and he has another snap that I didn't even see. I didn't even know where he was on the ground at that time. He just... They just created them out of nothing port and they converted. I think that's what mattered the most about this game. You talk about Brad Ebert. Brad Ebert marks 20 seconds left before halftime and he converts, you know. Why? Why aren't Ablett and Parfit working that? Like, why isn't Parfit, you know, taking... Obviously, he's not going to know there's 10 seconds left on the clock. But he shouldn't at least know there's like about a minute. He should take it back and hopefully have a set shot on goal and hopefully kick it. But, I mean, that's all things we can reflect on now. Um, You know, Stanley goal in the fourth quarter, it gets it back to seven points. So seven points down, Cats are. And they go to a centre bounce with Tom Atkins 
Luke Dahlhouse and Mitch Duncan. I don't know how this was ever gonna this lineup was would ever beat Sam Powell Pepper, Ollie Wines and Travis Polk. Um, like this combination has never played a centre bounce this whole season. It doesn't make any sense. I have hardly seen Dalhouse in a centre bounce this whole season. Like the two years he's been at the the years he's been at the Cats. I just thought it was ridiculous. I don't I don't understand the thinking behind it from Chris Scott or who it, I, I imagine it was Chris Scott, but whoever does this, why is Selwood, Danger, and Guthrie not in there? And then you put Duncan and uh, Menengola on the wings. Um, just does not make any sense. Um, Boke gets the easiest clearance of his life, bombs it deep in their forward line, um, goes to Butters, spills out, he gets his hands off, and Peter Laddam's goal within 20 seconds of the ball being thrown up at the centre bounce. So, I think that, that was just disappointing. I mean, after this goal, they actually went back with the same centre bounce lineup. And I don't think it was as effective for Port getting a goal straight away, but it was still still shouldn't shouldn't have been a lineup at a centre bounce. Um, Port just go on, kick another, end up winning by about three goals, and it just felt like all night we couldn't convert nine. You know, as I said before, pretty much nineteen scoring opportunities, and we we only scored five goals. I think that's pretty poor, and just need need a lift. Definitely next week if we have any chance of beating the Pies. Alright, so the other game, the elimination final at Optus Stadium, Eagles versus the Pies. As a non fan of both teams, of either team, I definitely thought this was the best game of all, of the season to watch. Um, the Pies just got over the line. You know, they weren't supposed to win. They were written off by so many media personnel. But, you know, 30k Eagles fans, you know, you're travelling such a long way. You know, Pies, they didn't look that good. They didn't look like they had a full side ready to go. But they got the job done. They came out there, and I think that's what matters. And I think the game was won and lost for Pies based on that first quarter. Such a big impact from Cox. You know, he scores those three goals early in that quarter definitely just takes the crowd out of the game, you know, not completely, but it just sort of shushes them up, and then the players can really focus on the job at hand, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think the, you know, I think you can also talk about the mental effect that has on you kicking straight, you know, Cox going 3-0, it really takes the pressure off, and Pies going, like, Pies went, Pies were 24 points, Half time, um, quarter time, four straight goals. So it, it takes the pressure off that you could see. Um, Hawkins had, you know, after his after three behinds, he gets that one twenty out, and he quickly sort of plays on, um, snaps it around the body, and it goes to the right in for a behind. And I think that's just what the mental. The mental side, the state, the mental state happens when you're not kicking straight, especially when you've got, you know, twenty k plus opposition fans in your ear, like Hawkins did, and Cox did as well. But they, you know, they certainly shush up. As I said, you can take them out with an early first quarter dominance. Um, but the Eagles had their opportunities after quarter time. You know, Kennedy three four. 
he could have kicked seven straight, but he didn't. He was three from four, and he missed opportunities. Um, Darling played a great game, three goals two. Um, they'd probably be wishing he played like this all season because I think that would get them a top four finish. You have the Maynard versus Ryan, um, Liam Ryan matchup, great matchup, and I think it'll be a good matchup for years to come. Majacek was clutch late. He ended up with the three goals as well, just as Cox. So him and Cox, they came in big in the first quarter and the last quarter, and that's when it matters, especially when you're playing away against a big crowd. Um, probably just the one question I had about the game was uh, Brody Grundy, 63% time on ground. was a bit concerning. Um, like, you wouldn't expect him to have 100% time on ground with Darcy Cameron in the side or anything like that. But 63% is worrying. Like, is there an injury there? Why is he being arrested? Would it make sense for a final? So I think he's definitely carrying some sort of injury, but it's hard to tell with him. And then, so for the second um, finals matchup, you have the Cats playing the Pies. And that's Saturday night. Now, for this matchup, um, it's a must win for the Cats, definitely. But, I mean, the Pies are probably saying the same thing that it's a must win for them if they want to keep going further. Um, last time these teams met earlier this year, Dagoe kicked five. Um, he had he sort of had a Henry College Asney combination playing on him. So that's Jack Henry, Jay College Asney. And he kicked five. Um, that was ridiculous. He he single-handedly carried the Pies to that victory. Big performance from him. Um, the Cats just can't let this happen again. Um, I assume they won't let Henry. Um, Henry or College doesn't. He won't be playing on him. Assume it'd be abuse. Maybe Stewart, but I think Stewart will just play that. Play that role where he's. Yeah, Stewart will just play a lesser role. I think. Um, Grundy also dominated that game on a younger Ruckman in um, second year in the league, Darcy Fort. Grundy had the 46 hitouts on him. And then also the third biggest performance for the Pies of that game was Trelaw. He had 34 posies and 11 clearances. Um, since then, what? So it seems like Grundy could be hurt, carrying some sort of injury, 63% time on ground. And I think to go is fine from that finger injury. He copped. He ended up copping from that Cats game. Um, I think the big question about this game is: so you have you have Henderson and uh, Harry Taylor in the back line. Now Harry Taylor's played exceptional all year, but is Harry Taylor going to be able to play on Mason Cox? Like, I think he goes to my check, but can even Henderson play on Cox? Because Henderson's sort of 190 centimetres. Uh, that's almost a 20 centimetre difference. I think, personally, you know, you look at that Pies forward line. You've got Jamie Elliott, Mason Cox, Dugowie, Hoskin Elliott, Majacek and Thomas. They're all fast attacking footballers. And they've got bloody pace. And I, so, I really think the Cats might sort of go a bit smaller. I think... You have to drop one of Henderson or Taylor. Now, I think this will confuse a few a few people if you're still listening, because 
Taylor has been playing well, exceptionally well all year, shutting down his opponents. Uh, along with Henderson, since he came in the team, he came in the team after that Pies lineup and hasn't missed a game since. But Cox is a big, athletic boy, two hundred and eleven centimeters. I think the best matchup to put on him has to be Blitzers. I just don't think it'll work having Taylor or Henderson on him. Um, Taylor mid thirties, Henderson thirty. You know, they're they're slower. I think Blitzers is the perfect opportunity as. Channel 7, say every minute, ex-staple runner um, was Blitzavs. So, I think he's the best matchup for Cox. So, I think it's a big call to say this, but I think you have to drop one of Henderson or Taylor, and you just don't do that Blitzavs whack whack thing where he's playing on the wing, because I, th- I don't know if that... I just don't see how that works. So, I think what you do is you have to just drop... Um, I think Henderson or Taylor, you drop, and then you just bring in... Uh, Jordan Clark type, if he's available, um, sort of a uh, small defender. I think he's perfect because I just don't think Henderson or Taylor can take Cox, and then you have to get rid of, and then one of them has to take my check, the other one has to get dropped. So yeah, I think also there's going to be have to be some tough selections made for the Cats regarding sort of. Atkins, Dahlhaus, Rowan, Ablett. I don't know if they'll even drop any of them. It just like that was a poor. It was a poor game from sort of your mid-tier players. You know, your Parfit, your Atkins, your Rowan, your Dahlhaus, your uh, even your Ablett. I mean, th- I feel like there wasn't enough pressure in the in Myers. There wasn't enough pressure in that forward line. You should need more. You need that goal pressure as well. Definitely. You need players that can kick goals. Um, definitely talk about. A Quinton Narkel inclusion. Um, this is filmed. This has been recorded on Thursday night, so before the Cats and uh, Pies teams come out. So I think the Cats could look to add some youth. Um, maybe get rid of a get rid of an Atkins and a Taylor is what I would be doing, and bringing in Jordan Clark and Brad Close. Personally, maybe even drop you know a grind mice, but I don't think they'll do that or an Ablett, but. I don't think that's going to happen. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's... Oh, and my prediction for that game is... Listen, I find it hard to see... I think Pies would be thinking, how are they going to score if Hawkins... If you shut Hawkins down, how are they going to score? You know, you saw it. Hawkins didn't score any, didn't kick any, and we only kicked five goals. So, I think Pies will be up and about, but I think... We will get over the line. I think Cats will win. Um, and yeah. So, if you made it this far, that's the end of the uh, my predictions and previews for round two, the semi-finals. So, Tigers versus St Kilda and Cats versus Pies. And then the end of my review for uh, round one. Round one of the finals, which was, you know, Cats Port Thursday night. Then Friday night, we had Tigers Lions. Saturday, sort of twilight, we had that Bulldog, St Kilda, and then, obviously, Saturday night, we had Pies, West Coast. So, yeah, some big some big matchups and some big games coming up this weekend. Um, thanks for those who listened or are still listening. If you are, first podcast, so it's my first ever podcast and episode I've done, so please leave some feedback below, some criticism, what I need to work on. 
or just message me if you know me, Billy Brannigan. Um, message me privately about like you know, um, criticism and that. Um, we will be coming to Spotify this podcast, so look out for us on Spotify. I will make sure I put that out on this website. Let you guys know coming to Spotify. I'm also gonna have a YouTube account for just um, coming out as well. Just do some. I'm not gonna publish my podcast there. I don't think that's the goal at the moment. I think it'll just be some smaller prediction type videos. And then, yeah. So use Spotify, and hopefully we can end up getting on the podcast app, and then publishing the podcast there instead of here. But yeah, I mean, if you made it all the way, thanks for listening. Drop me some feedback and whatnot. Um, hopefully I'll come out with a podcast next week, about this time next week, review, um, reviewing this week's matches and then previewing next week's matches, just about the same format, and hopefully I'll get a mate on. I think we've got Harry, Lo- Harry Ryan coming in, and yeah, I think it'll be a good, good podcast, so yeah, as I said, thanks for listening, please enjoy, um, follow the socials down below for the water carrier, and remember to keep on carrying.